week where we're inviting all the parents and kids to come back this week. Uh, so we, the kids can sing. So we're planning on the kids having a, a few songs next Sunday from Vacation Bible School to sing. And so we're excited for that. And we'll have um, goodie bags for all the families that, uh, that bring their kids back. So make sure you invite them. Make sure you let them know about it. And we'll be letting them know throughout the week. Uh, then on July the 4th, um, we are planning on having at 7 o'clock down at the pavilion um, a time where we can have some games, enjoy the fireworks, but bring a, a snack to share <clears throat> and a lawn chair. Um, you can even bring a lawn chair to share if you want to. It don't matter, but um, come and have fun. We are watching the weather right now. I don't know what the town's going to do. Could be storms, might not be storms. If it don't storm, we'll have fireworks, and if not, we'll figure it out. But either way, we're going to have some fun, so y'all, y'all can start praying the rain away. How about that? Um, then Sunday, July the 10th, um, the women's ministry are going to be having a meeting about their uh, Claytor Lake Women's Retreat, which is September the 29th through October the 1st. Cost is going to be about 100 bucks a person. Um, uh, Debbie Vaughn uh, is going to be the speaker, and then there's a sign-up sheet in the back, and um, y'all be praying for that. And I encourage you ladies to go, and you'll have a great time uh, in the Lord with each other and to be able to uh, get into the Word. So uh, with all that being said, let's pray this morning. Let's ask for God's help and guidance today, and then we're going to stand to our feet, we're going to lift up our hearts and our voices, we're going to worship uh, the Lord who is worthy today. Let us pray. God, we come to you this day, we're grateful that we can gather, grateful that we can worship you, with Lord, we thank you for these uh, decorations, for those who have helped out decorating, those who have helped out inviting people, Lord, for the many hands that have already been uh, at work to see this uh, through, and we do want to thank you, Lord, for the work that you're going to do this week. Uh, we're anticipating the work that you're going to do this morning, God. I believe that you've got something uh, in your word and, and through song, Lord, for every person here. But Lord, ultimately, all these things, everything that will be said and done and spoken, preached today, God, it's not just for us, Lord, but especially and, and foremost and above all things, it is for your honor and for your glory. And I pray that today you'd be honored and glorified, that you would be uh, lifted up today as we lift up our voices and our hearts to you to sing, that we would do so with, with unity of spirit today, God, that you would have our hearts and our minds fixated upon you, that you would prepare us this week to serve you, and God, that we'd have the gospel at the forefront of our mind, and that the gospel would be the purpose and the power of everything that we do and say here uh, today and throughout this week and throughout uh, the, the entire life of the church, Lord, your church and your people, God. We thank you for this time. We, we give it to you now. Be with each person that's serving today, and God, that you would <clears throat> be glorified in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you're able, please stand. We'll get started in singing praises unto our Lord and Savior who is worthy and deserving. Our first song will be Are You Washed in the Blood, hymn number 330. And uh, in Revelation 7:14, it tells us they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. That's amazing right there. Praise the Lord. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside 
hide the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you standing. Next song is Send the Light, hymn number 437. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 tells us God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Our creator created light. Send the light. There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless way. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Continue standing if you're able. Uh, Jesus is coming again. Hymn number 753 is our next song. John 14.3 tells us by the words of Jesus here, him I talking, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Boy, what encouraging words for a born-again believer. Jesus is coming again. One of my favorites, by the way. I like it. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing. Wonderful word of Baby morning, baby noon. 
say hello to everybody make everyone feel welcome and if it's your first time here today we welcome you very give you a very special welcome and you may be seated after you do all that okay we have some special music now by miss cammy bryan and we got to get her microphone fixed up here so y'all bear with me It's a blessing when I see the dark clouds parting, when the rain is gone and sun is breaking through. I anticipate when life will just be normal, just to close my weary eyes and rest in My heart can rest so easy when there's blue skies, when the wind is gone and rain is not inside. How I long to hang my sword above the mantle, away from harm and distant from the fight. But I wouldn't know your peace the hard times or be thankful for relief without the pain I wouldn't love the light if it were not for darkness or appreciate the sun without the rain 
Sure, it's a blessing to be safe, secure, and warm. But Lord, I want to thank you for the storm. Imagine as Peter sat in prison, he may have paced the floors with chains around his feet. And in his mind, the battles lost and this is your defeat but then his mind went back to that night in the tempest when the master spoke and winds and seas obeyed and he remembered that storm calming all around him and he could rest in that dark I can sure say that, and I'm about 99.6% sure that every one of you in here could say that. Thank you, Lord, for the storms. And if it wasn't for the storms, how much would we appreciate the good times? Amen. All right, now join with me if you would. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. And please pray with us as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day, this wonderful day you've given us, Lord, the beautiful temperature and the sun shining and Lord, the, the uh, blessing of being in your house, 
being with your people, children of God, we praise you and thank you for all that. Lord, we thank you for the singing and the music and, Lord, all that's taking place here this morning. We pray, Lord, that the things we've said, things we've sung, songs that we will sing will bring honor and glory to you. And we pray, Lord, for our pastor as he brings a message. And we ask, Lord, it's your message, Lord, that you provided through him and from your word. And we ask, Lord, you'd help him and strengthen him. And Lord, give him unction from on high. And, uh, Lord, pro help him to pro proclaim your truth. Lord, here this morning, challenge us from your word. Lord, convict us from your word. Encourage us from your word and help us to walk a closer walk with thee and uh, we'll give you all the praise and honor and the glory for everything accomplished through the singing lord through the preaching and through your word and we just want to tell you we love you and uh, because you first loved us in jesus name we pray and ask all things amen okay if you're able please stand as we sing worthy of worship Hymn number 153, hymn number 153, Revelation 411 tells us, Thou art worthy to receive glory and honor and power. Our Lord is worthy, folks. Amen. Worthy of all of the 
say amen. 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 You may be seated. Now join with me as we give our pastor Joe Bryant a nice welcome. All right, turn with me to Psalm 107 this morning. Psalm 107. It's five minutes to 11 and I've got 43 verses. <laughs> Why y'all laughing at it? <clears throat> Grateful for the worship that has been lifted this morning for the song sung and the reminders of God's goodness and faithfulness. That's what church is about. That's what meeting with the Lord is about. And I would have you to know this, that we should not just know in our minds and theologically that God is here because He's omnipresent. May today we know that He is here with His people. And may our hearts be turned to Him in this moment. And may worship continue. I want to turn your attention to verse number 8. 107 here. Psalm 107, verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Now turn with me to verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Turn with me now to verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Turn now to verse 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let us pray. God, we come before You today. I thank You for the worship that has been lifted, the songs that have been sung. Lord, for the work that You've already done in hearts, through fellowship, through the worship that has been lifted. God, I thank You now for Your Word that has been read. Help me to preach. God, I pray it wouldn't be me that preaches, it would be You that You would speak today through Your Word, through Your Spirit. God, that You would give us and each soul in this place exactly what is needed today, that Christ would be magnified and lifted up. God, today that we would praise You for Your goodness and for Your wonderful works. God, help me today. Go before us. Give us Your presence in this moment and this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. We've been looking at prayer for quite some time. And we've looked at the priority of prayer and the purpose of prayer, the power of prayer, the privilege of prayer, the position of prayer. And today we're going to be looking at the praise of prayer. Today... I don't know if we're going to get through all 43 verses. We might not get through four or three verses. I don't know, but we're going to just mind the Lord and trust Him today. When we talk about prayer, we've talked about a lot of different things, and, and the Lord has taught me more in the past month and a half than a long time in my life, and I'm thankful for it. Andrew Murray once said, some people pray just to pray, and some people pray to know God. And I believe that there is a grave difference between just lifting up prayers and throwing things out there to the air and praying to know God. We said at the beginning of the year that our mission would be to know Christ and to make Him known, but long before we make Christ known, we have got to know Him. Long before there is fruit, long before there are leaves and stems and branches, there must be a deep, deep root of a knowledge, not in our just in our minds about God, but a knowledge of Him. And I believe what separates the generations that have seen revivals and have seen services and mighty moves of God in those services and in those times and in those days is not something so 
so crazy, but rather in the sense of they knew God in a way in which we don't. And why is that? And I believe it's because they prayed. And as we've talked about prayer, it's not for our gratification, it's for His glorification. And prayer in and of itself is an expression of faith and trust. If I can do it myself, I don't have to pray about it. But the Lord told His disciples that outside of Him, you can do nothing. You must abide in Him. And what we've been dealing with as we look and we talk about prayer is that as we pray in the flesh, we just pray prayers to pray. As we pray in the Spirit, we pray to know God. And I would tell you the most encouraging thing that I can possibly think of today is that if you pray in the Spirit to know God and you desire to know Him as His child, you will grow to know Him. If we pray by the Spirit to know God, we will grow to know Him. And as we know Him, and the more we know Him, I'll tell you this, the more you know God, the more you will love God. The more you know God and love God, the more you will obey God. The more we know God and love God and obey God, the more we will see a move of God. And what separates us from today and what many call the old-time religion or the old-time way is not shirts and ties and skirts down to the ankle. It is that they desire to know God and nothing else. Because at the end of the day, nothing else matters. And the deepest thing and the most important thing about you praying and, and my prayers is that they would be prayers of praise to know not just more about Him, but I want to know more of Him. More of Him. See, if we know God, and I'm talking if we know God, we will praise God. You see, the heathen know lots about God. They know that He's there, but they reject Him. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. There is no praise in their hearts. There's only wickedness. There is only hatred against God. As a matter of fact, the darkness hates the light. And everyone that is a part of the light and shines the light and shares the light. And we've just sung a little bit ago about send the light. (laughs) Oh, that God would send the light. But long before He even sends it to the lost world, that He might send that light afresh and anew to the people of God. That our darkened hearts and our darkened minds would be awakened to the beauty and glory of God. That we would praise Him in our prayer and not just go to Him when things are bad or tough or when we think He should give us what we want and desire. See, when we are praying in the Spirit and growing in a knowledge of Him, then our prayers will naturally be full of praise. I can tell you this, when you are in your flesh and when I'm in my flesh, I'm the most unthankful. I'm the most bitter, ungrateful, unthankful, unmotivated. I'm the most separated. Because I play plenty of prayers in the flesh. As we talked about that, it's not real praying, is it? It's simply just tossing up prayers to pray, to say I prayed, or to go, well, God, I I told you about it and you didn't answer. How come I'm still in this mess? How come things are still a mess? You see, but when you're in the Spirit of God, you can't help but praise Him. And I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not talking about just some wild revivalism. But when I see just a moment of a glimpse of the glory of God, and I begin to know Him as He teaches me who He is and reveals Himself to me through His Word and the power and teaching of His Holy Spirit. As we pray through this, you know what happens? I begin to see who He is, and I can't help but praise Him. When I'm in my flesh, I'm unsatisfied with everything around me. Nothing is good enough. Nothing is right. Right? The songs weren't right today. Right? The preaching was 
it, it wasn't right either. Somebody looked at me funny, right? Somebody smelled bad. We laugh, but half of us will leave church today and say, yeah, I just didn't get that much out of it. You know why? Because the flesh gets nothing spiritual. The flesh and the carnal does not know the Spirit of God. Does not know the depth and the deep things and the high things and the wide things of knowing God. But to know Him is to praise Him. Because when we are praying in our flesh, we're not growing in a knowledge of Him. And our prayers will be perilous, powerless. Ian Bounds once said that giving thanks is the very life of prayer. I firmly believe that if you want life in your prayer, power in your prayer, if you want answers to prayer, you better find yourself praising God in prayer. And I'm not talking about, I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, thank you for opening up my eyes. Now here's my list today. Right? We look at our spouse, we say, good morning, dear, how are you? Here's my honeydew list, right? I'd like to see these things done today or maybe the next month or week or whenever, right? I want you to know, God is not your fairy godmother or a genie in a lamp. God, as we have just sang about, and I hope that your heart sang and not just your words, that we understand the worthiness of praising God and that the greatest of prayers and the most mighty of prayers that are ever prayed are in thanks to God for not just the things that He has done, as we're going to see, but for who He is. Because if God never gave me another thing in my life, He'd still be worthy and He'd still be God and He'd still be good. God has given more to us in one day on this world than we ever deserve. He's given to us in every breath and every beat of our heart more than we deserve. What we deserve is hell. And so therefore, if we've got more than that, if we've got more than a a heart beating and breath in our lungs, then we ought to be full of praise. We'll never be full of praise if we're not full of the Spirit of God. And do not think that being filled by the Spirit is only for pastors or for those high and mighty believers. No, they are for the weak, fragile believer who sees his great need of God. Those are the ones that will be filled. The ones who are dependent upon Him for everything. To rise, to sleep, to work, to play. If you desire to have a Spirit-filled prayer life, a lively prayer life, boy, we've heard some prayers, we've prayed some prayers that I mean, even, even prayed in a graveyard, the dead might say, Liven up, preacher! God has given you eternal life. God has forgiven you of your sins in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you and indwells you and empowers you to live the Christian life. And what in the world are you so down for? Why in the world, for not a moment, can we not stop and praise God before we ask Him for all these things? Why in the world? See, we say, I I want power in my life. I want a, a lively and a good prayer life. Good. But do not want it on your terms. You see, only those things will come through prayers of praise. You will never, and I will never experience true power. The power we talk about of yesteryear that we somehow think is gone, like God's changed and can't move like He used to. It's only found when we begin to praise Him. When we see in the psalm two things, we see the same chorus. 
verse 6, 13, 19, and 28, here's what we find. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distress. Don't get much gooder than that. What would we call crying out to the Lord? It's praying. You see, sadly, so many of us have been praying so long that we forgot what it means to cry out to Him. So many of us are so such experts in prayer that we don't know what it means to simply cry out to Jesus. Or, or we're so sophisticated or too sophisticated or too dignified just to cry out to Jesus. There's nothing more humble, nothing more powerful, nothing more mighty in the life or prayer life of a believer than to cry out to the Lord. It shows faith. It shows a dependence upon God. And it shows a sincerity that I need God to move. And the second part of this chorus that we find in verse 8, 15, 21, and 31 that we read is, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. The verse could stop there and it'd be dead on. But he says, oh, that men would praise the Lord. And then he gives you the reasons in case you're struggling today with your prayer life and your praise life, which, by the way, go hand in hand. If you're not praying, you will not be praising. If you have not prayed long before you've walked in those back doors, do not expect to be up here just, oh, yeah, that's good stuff, good song, woo! I wouldn't expect it if you haven't prayed. As a matter of fact, the ones who are able to praise God, they're able to do so because they know God. You know why they know God? It's because they've been in their closet with God. It's because they've known Him in prayer and they've praised Him through prayer. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. And here's your reasons. For His goodness. You know what that is? It's His loving kindness. Specifically that of redemption. It is, as we're going to talk about, the goodness of God is His very character and nature. It is His worth. It's who He is. Second, and for His wonderful works to the children of men. The idea of wonderful works, it is that of His miraculous and mighty acts. I want you to know every act of God in your life is mighty and miraculous. Every breath that you take is a mighty and miraculous act and gift of God's grace. Do not think it of something mundane or something to be promised or something that you've just done on your own power or strength because your body's functioning properly. Your body and my body would drop dead if it was not for God's grace and goodness. The very reason why we see His mighty acts and His miraculous acts is not just because He does things all willy-nilly. It's because of His goodness of who He is. He does the mighty acts because of His nature. He does the things in your life that have been sung about. He stills the storms in your life. And He brings you through trials and tribulations not because He just looks for something to do, but because it's His nature. It's His goodness. It's His worth. Oh, that... Men would praise the Lord for His worth and His works. Sometimes we're so wrapped up and going, well, I'd praise the Lord if He did something for me. Boy, we have no idea how much God does for us, but even long before we begin to see the mighty works of God, we've got to see the mighty worth of God. True praise, real praise, and real prayer is not found in thanking Him for the many works that He's done and all the stuff He gives you, but it's found in thanking Him for who He is. If we don't understand who He is, then it doesn't matter the works that He does. Because when I see His worth, then the works is just the, the icing and the cherry on top. That's it. We've got to get to the real nitty gritty, and that is finding out the worth. That there is none other worthy of praise. That there is none other worthy for us to pray to. 
And I love this phrase, by the way. Oh, that men would praise. In the English, it reads, oh, that men would praise. The Hebrew here, it's, a, it's an English phrase that you, you and I would say, yada, yada. It is literally yadav, yadav. Meaning, the same word twice translated as, oh, that would praise. Oh, that would praise. Yadav, yadav. Oh, that would praise. And you know what we see there? we got the word men there. And notice how it's in italics. Because it is that putting it together, the two words together shows, oh, that men, oh, that everything, oh, that all things would praise. Why? Because we were designed to praise Him. You were designed to pray. Why? Because you were designed to trust Him. You were not designed to carry your burdens alone. You were not designed to go about it things in your own strength. You can't do it for salvation. You can't do it for sanctification. And we certainly can't do it for glorification. Therefore, we see that everything is dependent upon God's worth and who He is. It is dependent upon His goodness and His wonderful works that we've ever been saved, let alone sanctified. And one day, that Jesus coming again will be glorified. All is because of His goodness and His wonderful works. Oh, that men would praise. It is that of praise, confession, not just of sin, but even more so, confessing who God is. Do you know Him? You won't praise Him if you don't know Him. You won't pray to Him if you don't know Him. And if you do know Him, you will pray and you will praise. Perhaps the greatest thing that we need today is to get back to the very root of understanding who God is and lifting Him up and seeing Him high and lifted up that we would praise Him. The problems with our sin, the problems with our flesh, the problems in our churches, the problems in the way that we go about everything in our life comes down to a mindset. And it is that we think far too little of God and far too highly of ourselves. We, we often look at God as, well, He's God, yeah. You can't praise Him enough. You can't pray to Him enough. You can't lift Him high enough because even that still wouldn't be high enough. He is infinite in His worth, infinite in His glory, infinite in all power and might and wisdom and strength and honor. Infinite. So you tell me that we can pray too much? Tell me, tell me how many prayers is too much. Tell me how much praise is too much. And that's where we'll sit at. You see, because we'll never reach it. But our finite brains can barely even begin to grasp the notion that our prayer life must be founded on praising God, knowing Him. So as we see today, there's really two things that He tells us. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for what? His goodness and His wonderful works. If we understand His goodness to be His nature, who He is, His character, well, what is that? That's His worth. What are His works? It's His works. It's who He is and what He has done. And I want to help you out this morning. <coughs> you want to praise the Lord for who He is? Look to Christ. You want to praise the Lord for what He's done? Look to Christ. It is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who has come to reveal the, the, the promise and provision of God. He is the Word of God. He is the work of God. He is the very worth. He is the one that reveals God. It, it, it is He who has come. Uh, as John tells us about this in, in chapter 1, 
he, uh, of, of the gospel. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He goes on to say in verse 11, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, their salvation, which were born, not of blood, that's of the flesh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God ye must be born again. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. If you want to find the worth of God, if you want to find the work of God, look to Christ. Look at the cross. The cross does not speak of your worth. There are those who say these things, and they mean well, and I really want to say that they mean well. You know what is demonstrated at the cross? It is not as much so. I want you to know, the cross shows us certainly how much God loves us. It certainly shows us how much and what God went through to, to save us. But even more so, the cross shows us His worth, that His justice and righteousness and wrath had to be satisfied. And the work as well as found there at the cross of what Jesus has done, that Jesus, the God-man, the promise and provision, that the word and work of God in one man, in the flesh, would die mediating death to bring and a reconciling death to bring the enemies of God to God. Only God could do such. But only God in the flesh could do such. Jesus has come. You want to know how to praise the Lord? You want to know why to praise the Lord? Well, it's for His goodness, for His worth, and for His wonderful works. That's His work. It's what He's done. Who He is and what He's done. And if you boil it down, what would we have today? Oh, that men would praise Jesus! I'm telling you, we make so much of so many things in church. I love vacation Bible school. I mean, I love it. I love the decorations. I love wearing shirts. I love wearing a shirt that stinks after five days. I love the snacks. I love the games. It's great. But why do we do it? Jesus. Who do we do it for? Jesus. What's the goal? Jesus. If God gives us one child in this room every, every night and we got one kid, praise Jesus. If He gives us a hundred kids, praise Jesus. And if you find your worth and if you find your work and, and if you find your prayer life and your praise life wrapped up in the outward and, and not who Jesus is, then you've missed the boat. If you are struggling in your prayer life, if you're struggling in your praise life, which, by the way, if you're struggling in your prayer life, you're going to struggle on that one. If you're struggling on that one, you ain't praying. Why? Because what needs to happen in all of our lives, and I'm talking all of our lives, the strongest believer to the weakest believer in this room today is that we would catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus, the very worth of God, the very work of God. For what? For our salvation as well the very worth and work of God for our sanctification, as well as the very worth and work of God for our glorification, as well the very worth and work of God for every moment of your life. It's found in Christ. 
We've got to look at verse 1 through 8 today. That's probably as far as we get. And the rest, we'll either get to it later or well, we won't. Let's look at verse number 1. <clears throat> the praise of prayer begins with this. When we see the worth and work of God, what do we find? Verses 1 through 8 are going to show us, I can praise the Lord because He saves. He saves. Oh, all right. Are y'all Baptists? Uh, even if you're not today, even, even somebody else who's not Baptist in this place, if I told them that Jesus saved them, what do you think might happen? You just might praise them a little bit. Jesus saves. Okay, all right. I'm making sure. If not, we can get that settled and right today. You can know and rest assured that Jesus has saved you. If you don't know, you can know. We just talked about that in 1 John in Sunday school. You can know that Jesus saves. But here we can praise Him because He has saved and He continues to save. That's who God is. It's His very worth being poured out. It's His work to save. It is His delight to save. It should make us praise God yet still in this moment, however long you've been saved, that you are yet saved. If your salvation doesn't lead you to praise, then you ain't got it. If your salvation is never a time in your life that you look and you go, God saved me, then you don't know. I believe we've got so many folks on pews, and I'm not talking about you folks today, and if you think I am, well then I am. All right? I'm talking about we've got countless churches that believe the Bible, that want church, that want things to go back to, to normal in an old-time way, but in their mind, the old-time way is just a time when, you know, politics wasn't so bad, government was good, gas was cheap, and that's what they consider going back to the good stuff, the good old days. I want you to know, dear friend, the good old days, it's not just this point in time or period where you can go, well, it's between this year and this year. No, no, no. It's between when gas was this price and this price, or when this person was in office or that person wasn't. That's not it. The greatest thing that you and I need in our churches today is not to change models or, or go from this extreme to that extreme. The greatest thing that you and I need is to have our hearts that have grown colder the longer we've been saved or harder the longer that we've been saved. Oh, that God would warm a cold heart today. That God would break a heart of stone. Some of you have been saved so long and sitting on the same pew, you got moss growing on you. Some of our churches are deader than a morgue. Some of our churches got less praise than a cemetery. Got less life than a graveyard. You know why? It's not because so-and-so's in office or gas is expensive or it's year 2022 and, and now things are just different, preacher. It's because we have not looked at the goodness and worth and works of God. Or at least if we have, we've begun to think that it's not all that mighty and miraculous that we've been saved. And we start thinking that, well, it wasn't that hard to save me, but it's real hard to save them heathen out there that, that are out in the streets or that voting for so-and-so or this. I want you to know, shame on us for getting to a place and allowing our churches and allowing our pulpits to grow cold. Allowing our hearts to grow cold. They didn't grow cold because God stopped dealing with you. They grew cold because you stopped trusting and obeying the Spirit of God. 
Our hearts and our pews and our pulpits are cold as ice because we've stopped praying and we've stopped praising. We wonder why we don't see a powerful move of God. Oh Lord, we need a revival. Just not me. Just the rest of everybody else. We we need much more than a revival. We need such a move, a passing by of the glory of God for just a moment that overwhelmed Moses on the mountain that changed his vesture. That he glue was glowing when he come down. Some of us ain't moved in so long we don't even know what it means to be moved by God anymore. You will be as close to God as you desire to be. You will be as prayerful as you desire to be. You will be as full of praise as you desire to be. And I want you to know the greatest thing that we could ever do in our prayer life, in our Christian walk, is to know God and praise Him for it. That we can know Him. That He saves us. Look at this. I've got to get to verse 1 at some point. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. How many of y'all like that verse? I do too. It's good, isn't it? You know what? I like verse number 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If God's mercy has saved you, if God's been good to you, then let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You see, there's power already there in the, in the goodness of God. It's already there and available. There's power already there available in the mercy of God. But the reason why you and I don't have the power of God is not because He stopped being good or He stopped being merciful because He's just told us it endures forever. He said, well, preacher, it says His mercy endures forever. Well, you know something? His goodness, if that's His character and His worth and God don't change, then what do you think it means today? Is God still good today, church? Yes, He is. Will He be good tomorrow? Yes, He will. Will He be good when the stock market crashes and when everything goes awry and amiss? Will He still be good in the middle of a tribulation? Will He still be good when your life comes crashing down? Yes, He will. Because God is always good. It's who He is. The difference will be if if you will or will not humble yourself to see His goodness and praise Him through those storms and praise Him through when life is at its absolute worst, God is still at His absolute best. We must never cease to see that. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. But somewhere along the line, the redeemed of the Lord have stopped saying so. We wonder why we've got lostness everywhere. We wonder why we've got kids who are leaving church. We wonder why we've got hearts of stone and we ain't got real revivals. We've got revival meetings, but we don't have revivals. We've got church service and yet God ain't in it. We wonder why. Redeemed ain't said so in a long time. Perhaps you ain't said so in a long time. Some of you who got the Holy Spirit inside of you right now, you're churning. And if you just let it out, you just might feel good. Don't blame indigestion and don't blame Beano. Blame your own heart for not submitting and letting out the glory of God and what He's done for you. Has God been good to you? Say so. Has God been merciful? Say so. 
do your heart some good or do your fellow church members some good and you know something, speaking of the worth and work of God will do a whole lot of good to a lost and dying world that doesn't know God, that doesn't see His worth, that doesn't see His work, but it is the very worth and work of God that would save their souls to the uttermost, forgive them of their sins, and give them the gift of eternal life that you have, that you say you have, but that you won't praise the Lord for. We're more ashamed in our church services to praise the Lord than we are anything else. We're not ashamed to gossip. We're not ashamed to poke fun. We're not ashamed to be distracted. We're not ashamed to cause division. We're not ashamed to to not really care. Oh, we're ashamed to raise hands, say hallelujah, and praise the Lord. Oh my. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Now in this, He's going to be talking a whole lot about how He delivered Israel. And praise God that He did physically that for them. But you know something, if we look a little bit deeper and we look at our, your heart and my heart, there was a point in time when you were captive. You were captive to sin. You were captive to the, the prince and power of the air. You were a, a, a twofold child of the devil. You were far from God. You were an enemy of God. You were, a matter of fact, His enemy. You were against Him in your sin. And what does He say? Let the redeeming Lord say so. Whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He's redeemed you from your own sin. He's redeemed you from the, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And why in the world could we not say so? How in the world could we not praise Him? That He's redeemed us. He's saved us. He's bought us. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Glorify. And by the way, when we understand that you were bought with a price, understand this, you didn't do the buying and you didn't pay the price. You were the one that had to be bought. You ain't got enough change. You ain't got enough good works. You ain't got enough baptisms. You ain't got enough church membership to, to buy you a minute in heaven let alone eternal life. It says, Gathered them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Certainly, he's dealing with that of his people Israel during the Old Testament and recounting all that God had done for his people. But I want you to know, this sounds something a whole lot bigger If we understand even just a a glimpse of end times, what do we find? We find folks in the new heavens and the new earth who are from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and we find a big old city that's got 12 gates, three on each side. And, And what do we find? It's an eternal day where God's redeemed souls will be with Him forevermore. Not because of who they are or what they've done, but because of His worth, who He is, and His work, what He's done. That's eternal life. That's something to thank the Lord for. As we look at this, we find there is coming a great day that though we find no city to dwell in on this earth, we are just pilgrims passing through. One day there will be an eternal city to be with the Lord our God forever. He says, (coughs) hungry, and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Some of us have found ourselves in such a place. As a matter of fact, as long as you live in this flesh, as long as you live in this world, you're going to find some times where you're a little hungry and you're a little thirsty. And I'm not just talking about physical. 
times where you've walked in the flesh a little bit too long and what you find is the longer you walk in the flesh and not in the Spirit, and the longer you pray in the flesh and not in the Spirit, you, you start finding that mouth is dry. I, I got some rumbling in my tummy here. I need some sustenance, but why is my mouth dry? I keep drinking up from all this stuff that the world's got. I keep feeding my belly with stuff, but how come I'm not filled up? Because this flesh and this world will never fill you up. It'll fill you up with all the wrong things. But it will always leave you hungry and thirsty. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm afraid that what has happened somewhere along the way, and I can't put my finger on a, on, a, on a date or a time, but somewhere along the way, we've stopped hungering and thirsting for the things of God, and we've hungered and thirsted for the things of the world. We've hungered and thirsted for the acceptance of the world. We've hungered and thirsted for comfortability in the world. You're not meant to be comfortable here. This ain't your home. And if it is and you want to be comfortable, you've got to be born again. We have sought the world for refuge and what we have found is that we are left without a city to dwell in and we have found ourselves hungry and thirsty and it says their soul fainted in them. There were even times in Israel's history as they're out in the wilderness hungry and thirsty going, we were better off in Egypt. You are never and will never be better off without the Lord. You will never be better off in a place or a position where the Lord would not have you be. He says in verse 7, excuse me, let's look at verse 6. They find themselves in such a place. Their soul faints. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They've done all that they know how to do. Some of you, spiritually speaking, maybe you've done all that you know how to do, and yet you still find yourself hungry and thirsty. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus, the one who shows us the worth and work of God, he tells us in John chapter 4, verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Just over a couple of pages in chapter 6, verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore, give us this bread. My prayer is that God is getting us to a place individually in our own hearts where we would say, Lord, give us this bread. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. And here's what he says. Verse 35, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Hungry and thirsty. Then, then, they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. You see, the real prayer of praise doesn't just cry unto the Lord in the time of trouble. It certainly does. But it cries to the Lord when you're on the mountaintop. The prayer of praise is one, like old Abraham, that it's able to praise God with a knife up about to strike his own son. 
and a prayer of praise when God provides a substitute. Every moment of every day should be such for our lives. If we look and we see, we can always praise Him because He saved us. Why? Because He's good and because His mercy endures. But I love this phrase. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. All who cry unto Him in faith, He saves by His goodness and His mercy. Jeremiah 33 verse 1 tells us, Remember the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is His name. Call unto me. Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The reason why we know not the power of God. The reason why we know not what mighty men and women of old used to know is not because God has changed. Because we've stopped calling. We've stopped crying on the Lord. So many of us haven't had wet eyes in so long we wouldn't know what to do if we had our heart tugged by the Word of God or by the Spirit of God. We can't show weakness. We can't let anybody think that we're not spiritual as they are or as they think we are. You see, someone that truly knows what it means to cry unto the Lord doesn't care what anybody else thinks. They just care about praising the Lord and getting, getting a hold of Him. That's it. But Notice what he says. They cried unto the Lord in their trouble. The verse doesn't end. And He delivered them out of their distress. Because of His work, and His work, He saves. But how do we experience the salvation of God? Both for your salvation, for your sanctification, for times of trouble, for times of distress, for every moment of every day, by crying unto the Lord. And he says in verse 7, And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. There are many people that will lead you. And there are many people that will lead you astray. And yourself is number one on that list. My mind will lead me astray faster than anything in this world. My heart will, my, my flesh will take me places that I wish it never would. It will take me there faster than I, I could ever imagine. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. But when God leads, by the Spirit, through Spirit-filled, praise-filled prayer, he leads us forth. Forward. He leads us forward. He leads us forward. He leads us forward. By the right way. Every man believes that his own way is the right way. But the only right way is God's way. It's when He leads. We used to sing old hymns like, Wherever He leads, I'll go. Follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever He leads, I'll go. Some of us, God has been trying to lead us to an altar or to a time of redemption or restoration, a time of healing, a time of being broken even. We won't go. 
And when we won't go, we won't find praise and we won't find power. Verse 8. Oh, that men praise the Lord for His goodness. His worth. Who He is. And for His wonderful works. His mighty works. His miraculous works. To the children of men. We're going to skip ahead to verse 43. and We'll be done. Not because you're tired of hearing me, but because God told me so. Verse 43. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Church, if we want the power of God, it's going to be found in the praise of God. If we want real praise, it's going to be found through prayer. And if we want real prayer, it's going to be found through praise. It's real simple. It ain't that complicated. But it will never be found outside a broken, contrite heart that is led and filled and obedient to the Spirit of God in prayer. We've looked over several weeks now about what that means and looks like. And I believe perhaps the first step in understanding prayer as we've talked about is found right here in verse 43. The one that's wise will observe these things. What thing? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to children of men. Oh, that men would cry unto the Lord and be delivered. Cry unto the Lord and be delivered. That's the things we've got to observe. I've got to cry to the Lord. And I've got to praise the Lord. And as I'm crying to the Lord, I'm praising Him. And as I'm praising Him, I'm crying unto Him. And what do we find there? Deliverance and power. We find His presence. We find answered prayer. We find unity amongst the body. We find souls being saved. We find a mighty move of God. We find deliverance from distress and discouragement and depression. We find that He lifts us up out of the mire and into the choir again, that He can restore to you, to your heart today, the joy of salvation that might be gone. But I tell you, it's not that far away. You want to know how far away that joy of salvation is? It's a prayer away. It's a humble heart away. Look at the last verse, last part. Even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. You want to work on your prayer life? I want you to know how, how kind God is. And even beyond His kindness, His loving kindness. J. Vernon McGee once gave the illustration about a young girl who is given the task to explain loving kindness. She said, if you ask your mother for a piece of bread and butter, she gives it to you. That is kindness. But if she puts jam on it without you asking her, that's loving kindness. Oh, that we would understand the loving kindness of God. That we might praise Him for His goodness and His mighty, wonderful, wondrous works. That we might see His worth before we see His work. And I believe if we praise Him for His worth, oh, the work of God that we'll see in our lives, in our church.
when it begins. Like a simple child that might see the kindness and even more so the loving kindness of the Lord our God to us that we might be able to pray. Let alone find the, the priority of prayer and the purpose of prayer and the power of prayer and the persistence of prayer in our life and the privilege to pray and the praise of prayer. You see, it's God's loving kindness that drives me to pray. It's God's loving kindness that calls me to depend upon Him for every moment and everything in my life. Today, what's your prayer life like? What's your walk like? Are your prayers full of life? You got lively prayers? If not, let me ask you, are they full of praise? Today, may God open up our hearts and our eyes to see His worth and His work in our life. That, like the psalmist here says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord, worship the Lord, confess that the redeemed Lord would say so for His goodness, for His wonderful works, the children of men. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Let's all stand.